It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director, Jeff Cranson. Hi, once again, I'm Jeff Cranson, Director of Communications at the Michigan Department of Transportation, and this is Talking Michigan Transportation, and today I'm very pleased to have with me Elise Feldposh, who works in our Intelligent Transportation Systems Program area, and specifically is here today because of her role as the project manager for the North American International Auto Show 2020 Mobility Challenge. Elise, thanks for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's a mouthful. How do you shorthand that? Uh, well, we call it the NIAS Challenge sometimes, but really it's the, the NIAS 2020 Michigan Mobility Challenge. It's it's a lot to say, but not, not to say. too much. So <laughs> tell us what this is and, and why people should care. Yes. So back at the last auto show, which was January of this last year, the governor was in attendance and she kind of sat there and thought, you know, wouldn't it be really spectacular to be able to showcase autonomous vehicles from the airport to downtown as a part of the next auto show, which is actually a year and a half later from that, which would be in June of this upcoming year. And so we were tasked with trying to figure out how to really bring that to fruition. Like, what does that really mean? How can we kind of bring this autonomous technology and how can we challenge uh, the companies to be able to come up with different solutions. And the first thing you were thinking is you were really glad it was 18 months instead of 12 months. I really was happy, yes. <laughs> and I was also happy we were not delivering this technology in winter, which can have a whole series of uh, challenges yes. with it, with the bad weather. So following up on that, after uh, the governor had that idea and said, you know, I, I want to do something big to really highlight this technology and, and make the auto show the first in the summer, um, something special. She came to our director and said, you know, look, this is what I'm thinking. And the director said, sure, great, we can do that. And the next thing you know, you and others are scurrying about to try to make this happen. Yes. And by, uh, you know, late May of that year at the Mackinac Policy Conference, uh, they made the announcement that this was going to be a thing and that a year from then they were going to have Autonomous vehicles, automated vehicles, uh, highly automated vehicles is probably the best way to say it. Yes. Showing yeah. people around downtown and bringing people back and forth from the airport to the TCF Center, formerly Cobo Center, for the auto show. Yes. So what have the challenges been for you and your team as you've prepared for this? Well, the challenge really has been to be able to kind of come up with a concept where we really were able to ingrain this as part of everyone's everyday life. I think that's a little bit different, right, from your traditional demonstration. Traditionally, when you have these types of conferences or events, you have what I kind of air quotes call these, these demonstrations, which essentially is you go and you sign up for a time period and you go and you experience something and you come back and you get off and you say, well, that was a great experience. You go about the rest of your day. But what we're really trying to achieve is have something that really can be what you are kind of anticipating seeing 50 years from now. What what will transportation and life be like? And it's really this kind of multimodal experience that includes autonomous vehicles, it includes existing technologies. And that was another part that was quite challenging with this, is that it was a combination of autonomous vehicles, but then also bringing in and highlighting the existing mobility options in the downtown area as well. So really making this part of the everyday life, we have to go get your coffee, well, maybe you can take an autonomous vehicle part of the way there, um, is really kind of what was, was a big challenge with this. And then also bringing all of these shuttle providers and the different vendors together and saying, you know, you guys have to figure out how to make this work as a kind of a group, which is something that's really never been done anywhere that I'm aware of, at least. Traditionally, when you experience these types of 
demonstrations. They're always a single demonstration, right? And they're always kind of blocked off from anybody else. You experience this and then they're really not intertwined. So this will be one of the first times that all these different types of technologies and different vendors are all kind of in the same area being experienced as a unit. And they all kind of bid as consortiums really, yes. right? Yep. So um, these are partnerships among technology companies that have decided to go together. And uh, we're, we're very excited. I, I think were you, was it about what you expected in terms of numbers or were you uh, surprised at how many saw this as a chance to really highlight and you know put a spotlight on their technology? I was really pleased with the response that we had when we did our initial workshop. So after we had posted the kind of request for proposals, we had a workshop where we invited all of those that are interested in possibly bidding to come to this event. And we had over 125 different uh, companies, I think, that were a part of this. And so it was really something uh, that was amazing to be able to see. And then even in the, uh, we had 10 groups or 11 groups that had submitted 10 teams of individuals. We had over 35 different companies all a part of those different teams. So we were really impressed. And some, you know, was only one or two. And then others were up to nine different companies that were a part of that one team. So, so even while you've got skeptics, um, you know, not just in Michigan, but everywhere thinking, you know, this is never going to happen, this whole automated vehicle thing, you know, I, I would never trust a car without a driver. And that's, even even while that skepticism persists, um, probably little do they know that maybe, you know, right there in their community, there's some startup that's working diligently and investing on this and seeing this as the future of transportation. Oh, exactly. And that's, you know, the thing that I maybe was more surprised about by kind of the composition of the teams is that there weren't those names that you were used to seeing. You were seeing a lot of these kind of startup companies, a lot of players that are international in the space that were coming. We have company coming from as far away as Russia to be a part of this. So it is something that has a very large reach and individuals are very excited to have it be something that's showcased as a part of that auto show in Detroit. And there's too many to, to name them all here, but I will include the list uh, on, on the show notes so that people can see that. But uh, talk first about, I mean, there's, there's, there's two components to this. There's the downtown circulator, mm -hmm. which is what you said. It's a very practical application. It's like um, to, to, to complement, not to replace, but to work in conjunction with the people mover yeah. and the queue line that you've got this other means of getting around from hotels to, to the auto show and restaurants and everything back and forth. And then there's the component from the airport that is going to uh, offer that that chance if you if you flew in and you you know loaded the app and planned ahead of time to take an uh, automated shuttle from the airport downtown um, and we just this week uh, announced a couple of those so could you talk about the differences and that those services and what they're both going to do for sure so starting with kind of that airport piece so really as you said that's going to be an experience that is a book in advance piece because we need to be able to highlight kind of where people are going and kind of sign up for the time slots. We're going to be bringing individuals from the airport all the way across the interstate to the kind of highways, to local roads, to be able to come down uh, Woodward and be able to actually come into the downtown business district. Now that is a very different type of technology than what you'll experience when you're downtown because those, uh, actually both vendors that um, were selected to be a part of that actually are what we only call retrofitting existing vehicles. So they're taking vehicles that you can go out and you can buy today and they're fitting them with what they call drive-by wire kits. I know it's kind of a starting to get uh, more technical, but essentially what they're able to do is take this, uh, these components and insert them into the vehicles and make it so that it can be these highly autonomous vehicles. So it's a very exciting 
uh, type of technology and makes it very accessible. And so that's able to get it to go to like these highway speeds. Whereas when you start looking at the, what we've called the downtown circulator, uh, you're really seeing more kind of traditional shuttle types. There's a couple uh, vehicles that will be running around what we've kind of typically call robo-taxis, uh, but it's essentially kind of like your highly automated Uber, essentially, uh, that'll be running around going from point to point. But the rest of those options downtown will be more of that traditional shuttle type. You've seen the main mobility that's in Grand Rapids. You've seen uh, that also in Detroit. So those are very similar uh, types of technology that'll be running around the downtown. Yeah, so talk about the, the, the difference, I think, because uh, May Mobility is in Grand Rapids running now for free. Uh, anybody that wants to jump on in the, the loop that they drive, which is basically from downtown to the west side and, and near the Grand Valley, downtown Grand Rapids campus. But they have a contract with the Gilbert companies, with Bedrock in, in Detroit, because it's, you know, it's, a, it's a needed service to get so many people that have to park you know, quite a ways from their office to get them back and forth. And I think they're, they're really busy, right? They're doing really well. So Yeah, yeah. We've been, uh, we've always heard great success stories from, from those types of companies. And, and really the high difference is a traditional vehicle that's been outfitted with the technology to make it autonomous or a purpose-built autonomous shuttle, right? Those, those things like the main mobility, we call those shuttles, right? Where it's essentially a small vehicle that you're getting multiple people on. So there's a number of different um, different companies that are working, whether it be the Ali or the uh, the May Mobility shuttle, that are going to be moving these people around. But they're also doing things that are slightly different from what has been done in the past. One of the examples is that from the TCF Center to the Renaissance Center and beyond, we're going to be having what they've called a train, a shuttle train. So it's essentially these three shuttles that are working together in tandem to create essentially what you would see as a train moving along, being able to transport large groups of people from one destination to the other. So it's a different use case scenario for these shuttle types of technologies. And there's a number of different options within these different shuttles to be able to experience. Another example is that we have a number that have focused on mobility for folks, for individuals, to allow them to be able to have different ways to interact with the vehicles if perhaps they are one of the vulnerable road users or the uh, those the individuals with disabilities that may not be able to ride your typical shuttle because they're not able to step up. We have some shuttles that are going to be able to kneel down to be able to allow them to come on, some that are automatically able to hook on to wheelchairs to be able to experience in a different way. So there's a lot of different types of technologies and that's really one thing that we wanted to highlight with this as well is to challenge these teams to be able to come up with something that they can debut and it can be something that people haven't seen before. So we were really pleased to have Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist um, in Detroit for this announcement of the airport shuttles earlier this week. And uh, he's particularly passionate about that access for all component and the social justice aspect of this and the idea that um, this is gonna provide options for people with disabilities and elderly people. And that's something that it's surprised me, um, you know, in polling that uh, Epic MRA has done, um, they found that the most skepticism about um, any kind of automated vehicle, automated vehicle technology is among you know, the elderly, you know, it, 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 people become more accepting of it the younger they are. And that's interesting because it's the aging population that could benefit from this the most. So talk about your own kind of, I guess, how your thought process has, has changed or evolved since you've become highly involved in this and whether you've become less skeptical the more you've worked with these companies and you've seen the technology develop and you know what's possible. 
Oh, for sure. You know, this is something that I've came into this space. I've worked in the ITS program office, the more traditional side. We'll talk about what ITS is too. Yeah, sorry. There's you get into this world, and there's a lot of acronyms. Uh, the traditional side of ITS is essentially we've kind of coined it as, or I guess I personally coined it as, anytime that technology really interacts with the roadway is what I think of ITS. Right? You've got your dynamic message signs with others, which are these signs that. Uh, show, show you the travel times going down to Detroit. We have the cameras. We have the operations centers. Which is what people most want to know, I think, the travel times and whether right. there's a reason they're going to be delayed. Exactly, exactly. So that's more of the traditional ITS side of things. So fast forward to a handful of years ago when I got involved in Connected Vehicle, and I can tell you that you know, initially from the start, I was very excited about this opportunity, this technology. You can see very easily how this is the direction that we really have to move as a society. We've made our way very diligently through the years, reducing the number of fatalities that are on the road through the traditional means. And now we've gotten to a point where we have, you know, essentially done what we can. And I know that there's small incremental changes that can happen through these traditional means. We can modify the roads to be the correct curvatures. We can do different things within vehicles, fix the seatbelts. But we've essentially gotten to a point where we started, if you see the curves of fatalities, uh, essentially we've kind of started to plateau and so the challenge comes with what can we do to be able to really start to decrease uh, that the deaths that occur annually on the freeway and so really I believe and I think the facts have shown that you take the parts and components of the human factor out of the driving experience and that's when you really start to see those numbers absolutely I, I'm, I'm fully convinced that what we've seen on the national level and the state level um, and, you know, we crept down in 2018 and 2019. Um, we don't have the numbers yet. It looks like we're going to be down a little. At least we flattened out. And that's still a good thing when you consider that there's more vehicle miles traveled now than there's been, you know, it just keeps going up. The economy's good. Gas is cheap. So I, you know, when you ask somebody, why do you think that is? You ask anybody involved in traffic safety and people might point to various campaigns on distracted driving and drunk driving, but I really think the biggest single factor is the way this technology is taking off exponentially, um, you know, with driver assist, uh, whether it's lane assist or, or adaptive cruise control or auto braking, all those things are making a difference. And um, I know everybody thinks that they're a great driver, but we're humans and we do get distracted and we make mistakes. And so I, I, I see this creeping and before you know it, your car is highly automated, if not eventually completely automated. And that's a good thing. Right. Right, let me, uh, let me uh, tell you a story if you'll humor me for a moment. I was driving my children to daycare, and I, my daycare is very close to my home, less than two miles. And I was being very diligent, you know, two hands on the wheel, focused on what was happening in front of me, and I was coming around a blind curve, and there was a runner coming up on traffic, and he was completely in the dark and had to essentially very quickly turn my vehicle to avoid hitting this gentleman when I had been doing everything exactly as one was supposed to be doing, but because of the visibility, you weren't able to see them. And at that moment, I thought, I am in the right profession. Yeah. I know that if I had the technology that I've seen at these different shows, I've seen when we work with these vendors, if we all had that technology, there never would have been a question if it's, that person would have been safe or and not. And it's interesting because what you experienced could be part of any one of what you see the advent of these new ads for the automakers. They're all touting their technology. I think Volkswagen was among the first with the one where the guy drops his daughter off at school and starts to pull ahead and the car auto brakes because he would have run into something. Mm -hmm. But now all the manufacturers are doing something and they're all touting it. And for a while, 
I suppose consumers will associate that with whatever they saw in the ad, but pretty soon everybody's going to have it. Right. Everyone's going to have that same experience. Yeah, yep. That's, that is a good thing. So talk more broadly about, you know, when you talk about how the technology interacts with the transportation system, with the infrastructure, you know, cars talking to cars, cars talking to the roads. Um, I mean, where do you see things going in the short term and the long term and understanding that in Michigan, like many states, you know, we face a, a perennial funding challenge. Um, there's not enough money to do what we need to do in transportation, yet we all want to be wherever we want to be in 20 minutes or whatever, you know, we've decided our, our commute is or our doctor's office visit, whatever. We, we expect it to never change. And how is this eventually going to help with that? Right. So two pieces there, you know, speaking very broadly, individuals have often asked me, you know, what can the DOT do when you start talking about these autonomous vehicles or connected and autonomous vehicles? Vehicles that drive themselves, what do they have to do with you at the, you know, at the DOT? When you start talking about traditional transportation, they have everything to do with what we do at the DOT. You have, you know, the autonomous vehicle. Everybody thinks that an autonomous vehicle operates singularly, right? It doesn't need to communicate with anything else. It operates entirely through arrays of sensors. And it is possible, right? We've seen that model deployed by different vendors. But really, when you start to get into the secret recipe of what really makes this successful, you start adding in that connected piece. And it's that connection to the infrastructure, to the traffic signal, to the nearest vehicle that's able to really give a much bigger picture as far as what is going on on the roadway. Because if I'm a vehicle and all I do is see what a human can see through an array of sensors, even maybe darkness penetrating sensors, you're still only seeing what's in a certain radius around you and things can be occluded by buildings, by vehicles that are in front of you. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know if a person breaks three vehicles in front of you because you can't, your vehicle can't see that car three vehicles in front of you. You can only see the one in front of you. But if they're connected, then you start to get a much larger picture of what's happening in the network. So through the connections to our traffic signals, through connections to our weather sensors that are on the side of the road, through our connections to a series of different things, you start to really get a full, robust picture of what is happening on the transportation network. And it not only enables those vehicles to be able to drive safer, to be more protective of the individuals in their vehicle, but it allows us as a state to be able to have a much better picture of what the conditions of our roadways are, what is the operations, what is the mobility, where is the congestion. We're able to get a much better picture moving forward that will allow us to be a much more proactive, dynamic department. Yeah. The other piece I think that's important to know with this is that really when you start talking relatively for how you utilize the funding on your the roadways, these mobility solutions are really very low cost compared to adding additional capacity or more roadways to our network. So really you start talking cost effective use of the tax dollars, these technological solutions that are increasing your existing capacity with different mobility options, different operations of the interstate really allows us to be efficient with the funding that and is maximizing available. efficiency and I think a good example of that is the flex route on US 23 where which also features an intelligent transportation component because mm -hmm. the infrastructure is communicating with the vehicles but it also was a way without adding a lane which a lot of people who commute you know between Ann Arbor and I-96 would like to, to have um, instead by using the shoulder and getting the federal government to go along with that and employing that technology 
we're maximizing what we already have. So that's a really good example of that efficiency. Well, at least thanks, and uh, you know, best of luck. We'll be following this closely, obviously, leading into June and what goes on at the auto show this year. But I think that the showcase is going to be uh, great for these companies and and great for Michigan. So wonderful, wonderful. I hope to see you all there. And I want to say thanks again to Corey Petey, our sound engineer, who does things like in the middle of the podcast tells me to quit pulling on my audio cord. And to Sarah Martin, who does our intro and uh, outgoing remarks. Thank you. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more on SoundCloud or by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.